Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Um, I then attended IUP, graduated from there in 2019. But it was freshman year at IUP where God used the, the ministry of Young Life to open my eyes to the gospel um, and his love. Young Life is an outreach ministry on college and high school campuses all over the world where Young Life leaders show up and build relationships with students um, in hopes of sharing the gospel with them. Here in Indiana County, Young Life is at United High School, River Valley High School, Indiana High School, and at IUP. And I've been a volunteer uh, Young Life leader at Indiana High School um, since freshman year. And I currently work there right now as an instructional assistant uh, in learning support in the special ed department at IHS. Uh, and it's awesome. Well, yeah, I'm excited to jump in the God's word with you uh, this morning, this, this month of December. We took a look at how hope has come, how peace has come, how light has come, how love has come, all in the person of Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man. Um, today, we're going to take a look at, at the heart of this man, at the heart of Jesus. And so my prayer today is that his heart would be revealed to us and then what that means for our own hearts. So if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Luke 19, 1 through 10. Maybe you're familiar with this passage. It involves Jesus and a guy named Zacchaeus. And before we start, I'd love to pray for our time. God, thank you that you meet us um, right in here, right now, in our every need. God, and this world says that this time of year we're to have it all together. We don't have to numb the struggles. This year may have been the hardest it's been. And you draw near to us, God. And so whatever we're going through, may we approach you with full surrender. God, give me the words to, to speak truth. I need your help. And would you just uh, reveal yourself more to us this morning? Um, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. You know, we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to pick up in verse 1, 1 through 10. And it reads, He, meaning Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Man, that's awesome. To give you uh, a sense of direction of where today is going to go, I'm going to have four main points surrounding the, the heart of Jesus. And we'll pick up at the first one, where the first one is the heart of Jesus pursues. The heart of Jesus pursues. We don't have to look much further than verse 1 where it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Jericho would have been a very rich city. Um, its location was prime for trade, located at the crossing of the Jordan. Um, Jerusalem was not 
was nearby, so it was on the route to that as well. And this is where we see Jesus parading on through. Uh, the writers of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are always quick to, to point out where Jesus is staying, where he's entering, um, where he's leaving from. And if you're like me, it's, it's easy to, to glance over that, how Jesus walked and, and lived among us. I answered a question, well, how did the, the fullness of God dwelling in a man approach people? He was out in the streets with people. He was in their homes. He was in their fields. He got up close to people. Jesus got up close to people. It's easy to think that uh, he might be distant. That may be a view that you have a God that he's distant. But if Jesus were passing through Indiana, I'd say he'd be walking down Philly Street. Uh, he'd be hanging out in the Oak Grove. You might catch him eating pizza from Bob's. But he gets up close because that's the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus pursues and, and that's also true because he's fully, aware who, he's fully aware of who he's pursuing. He's aware of our hearts. He's aware of the people's hearts. Um, the natural state of them, because of sin, they are wandering and apart from God. It's you and it's me. And so he didn't expect people to come to him. He just didn't stand in a synagogue all day and wait for people to, to pass through to him. Because he knows every one of us is searching for full life. Um, he pursues us because he, he knows it's found in him and he wants us to experience that in abundance. So Jesus is not waiting. He's not waiting it out. He's pursuing us. He's pursuing us actively. And so I have a picture to show you guys. If we could uh, get to, oh, look at that. Maybe you heard of four guys from Liverpool, England. You may not have heard of the Beatles before. Um, but, uh, and not to call it anyone's age, but maybe you remember when uh, the Beatles swept pop culture by storm in the 60s. And wherever they went, crowds followed. Wherever they went, crowds followed. As you can see, this is, you just see heads. This is just a sea of people. Don't miss the people way up in the tree. They're like off the projection there. Man, the fire department was sure needed that day. But they're, they're there because you're not going to miss out on the next best thing, right? The, needle, the Beatles were the next best thing in music. And so if there's a, a chance of, of missing out on the next best thing, you're going to be there. Um, if it's fun, if it's exciting, and there's a venture involved, you're going to be there. I'd say there's people in that crowd that didn't even like the Beatles or may not even know who they were, but yet they would show up and they were going to be there. Because we desire adventure. We desire acceptance, to be known, uh, to be loved, full life. The Beatles are great, but, but we too even know that no amount of their songs will be able to satisfy that longing in our hearts. And we have, a, we have that longing deep within our soul to, to know God and to be accepted by him. And so let's meet the guy um, who is right there with us. Let's look at verse 2. It says, And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. So we find out Zacchaeus is a tax collector. When the Romans conquered uh, land and its people, in this case being the Jews of Israel, um, they would allow those people to keep their culture on a couple conditions. One condition being that they acknowledge Caesar as king, and the other, that they pay taxes to Rome. And so what the Romans would do is they would designate one of the conquered people as the tax collector, um, and there was no W-2 forms to fill out, no income tax forms, no H&R blocks to, to figure out your fair share. Some of you would be like, oh, that'd be nice. But no, because what would happen is that tax collector would come knocking on your door with the full backing of the Roman army and demand payment of money. 
It says Zacchaeus is rich. Well how, well, how did he get rich? What did he do, like any other tax collector, is tack on a heavy surcharge to the, to the payment. Um, he, would, he would get that money. He'd go to the Roman government, pay what they were owed, and then just pocket the rest. And he would do this one by one, ripping each person off. Um, and this is his own people, right? This is his own people. And so the man Jesus is about to approach is not a sympathetic character. He's, he's carried a sign saying, I care more about myself than any of you. And it's not a surprise that when you abuse um, someone for, for selfish gain, um, that would lead to hatred and uh, disownment. And so we'd be right there with the, with the crowd. We'd be saying, Zacchaeus is not our guy. We're against him in every way. And what would the people's response be if they can't stop him, um, right? They can't stop him, but what they can do is hurt him emotion, emotionally. And so they shunned him. They just said, okay, we're done with you. We're going to cast you out of society. It's easy to remove ourselves from the crowd, but I'd say we're right there with them on this one. Because of sin and this mindset that's present in all of us, we, we, we have this us versus them mentality or a me versus them uh, mentality. I think of the ways that may, might have played out um, in, in your life or maybe playing out on the receiving end of that or on the giving end of that. There's something satisfying in the human heart to look down on someone else. And so the way that played out in my life, I have um, my sophomore year high school yearbook um, with the lovely title, We Survived. And, uh, and, and what I would do is go home frequently and just open it up to, to pages and, and, and look for students. And what I'd do is just judge them as hard as I could, uh, whether that be on appearance or what, they, what they've done, what they were known to, to do. Um, I'd just judge them as hard as I could. I asked her if I could share this. My sister would sometimes join me, and there was something even, quote-unquote, fun about pointing and laughing at someone uh, together. But these are just pictures, right? These are just pictures of students, and I certainly did not know what they were feeling or their heart or what they were going through. Uh, they were just assumptions, just assumptions. And so assumptions were definitely present with the crowd towards Zacchaeus because we find something out about this guy. Let's take a look at verse 3. And it says, And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he cannot, because he was small in stature. So the man who's on the outside of all religious circles is seeking Jesus? How is that the case? Right? Doesn't he? He's rich. He has it all together. Well, well, there's the assumption, right? Maybe he's heard something. At this point, Jesus is famous, according to the record of Luke's gospel. This would be the last encounter that Jesus has with someone before heading on to Jerusalem to be crucified. So maybe Zacchaeus has heard about the miraculous healings Jesus is famous for. Or also preaching a message about a God who's willing to, set, to accept anyone who's willing to admit their need. And that's attractive. That's attractive. And maybe Zacchaeus even heard about how Jesus approached people similar to him. In, in Luke 5, you can take a look at it. There's um, an account with Levi the tax collector where Jesus approaches them and says, come follow me. And Levi, also known as Matthew, is uh, one of Jesus' disciples. But we don't know why exactly Jesus is, uh, or why Zacchaeus is seeking. But we can say for sure that Zacchaeus is lost. He's lost, right? And, and, and you don't seek unless you aren't satisfied. If you had a nice Christmas meal yesterday, 
You, you didn't leave that meal only for two minutes later to go back and have a, a full main course meal again, right? If you're full, you're not going to be seeking food. Something has to be lacking to be seeking. And so for Zacchaeus, if the money and power weren't enough, which it, which it never is, Zacchaeus wouldn't be here. So we have to ask, well, how did he go so far astray? Because his name means the righteous one, clean, pure. And he got, well, he got lost the same way we all do, right? One choice at a time. We want abundant life to be happy. So we make this choice to, to try and find that, and then this choice, and then that choice, and then soon enough we're stranded in the middle of nowhere. Um, there's nothing evil about it. It doesn't make us scum. We're, we're just doing what we're made to do. Pursue life and happiness. And so let's take a look at Jeremiah 2.13. It says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. And maybe you feel like this today, where the things you're, you're turning to, maybe temporarily satisfying, um, but have cracks. And soon enough, life slowly seeps through, making us feel empty. Or remember what that was like for you before uh, you found greater hope in Christ, the cisterns that are cracked that you would turn to. If we took a look at in the life of Nick Buckshaw's sophomore year of high school, we would have found this to, to be most certainly true. I had such a desire to be accepted by other people. I had such a fear of what others thought. And then that led to just a chain of insecurity just wrapped so tight around me. You wouldn't have found um, a more shy, um, socially awkward and quiet person than myself. I would run away from people. I wouldn't talk to people. I didn't want to have conversation um, out of fear. But I was still searching for life, um, specifically sports. I wasn't the best athlete, but uh, I could sit down and memorize statistics about sports, about teams and, and players, and, and maybe I'd find acceptance when I get to tell someone that, and uh, maybe they'd accept me for, for how much I knew. But that recognition of, of little hope in my life then continued into um, senior year of high school, where I would come home um, after school and just try and sleep the day of the way, just to, to mask the emptiness. I just Try to sleep it off. And, and like Zacchaeus, um, I had a problem. But no one would have ever known that, right? On the outside, I had it all together. I'd probably still be considered a nice guy. Um, but yet on the inside, um, I was so empty. And how often do we join the crowd and make assumptions, right? That we know what other people are thinking. Um, I guarantee you, Zacchaeus did not like being hated, being cast out from society. I uh, might even hate himself, feel extra shame. Um, but there's nothing he can really do about it to change his own circumstances. And so therefore, we can say for sure that abundance on the outside most certainly does not equal any abundance on the inside. There's no correlation between the two in regards to abundance. And so how does Zacchaeus go about this seeking? Let's take a look at verse 4. It says, So he ran on ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. The parade comes down, but Zacchaeus is short. Hey, let's go, right? But he has to do something about it. So he climbs the tree. What does that show? Is it, is it a, a smart move on his part? 
It may be, but I'd say it goes much further than that. That for Zacchaeus to climb up in that tree uh, takes a lot of humility. Um, it's a statement of vulnerability. He's risking a lot of rejection. You'd be like, well, he already is rejected, right, by most of Jericho. Well, think of this, the, the little bit of acceptance he got maybe from other tax collectors or, or people also outside of the religious circles. If they were to find out, and be like, you went to see Jesus? Whoa, what are you doing? We don't associate with that. And so he's even exposed himself up for more rejection. But Zacchaeus is saying, I, I'm the guy that, that no one likes. Everyone knows, but I don't have answers. And, and I need answers because I know nothing else is working. And so he's not looking to become Jesus' disciple. We, no VIP meet and greet was set up before and after. It was just a simple view from a sycamore tree branch. And then Jesus does something crazy. And so it takes us to point number two. Hey. Where the heart of Jesus moves toward the outsider, the marginalized, and the furthest out. The heart of Jesus moves toward the outsider, the marginalized, and the furthest out. Let's take a look at verse 5 and 6. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. What's, uh, what's Jesus' approach here? He doesn't just sneak by Zacchaeus. He doesn't do what we often do, just a simple head nod. Uh, no, he doesn't even say he saw him, but he stops the procession and looks up at Zacchaeus. And then he says something only a personal and loving father could do in a tender way. Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down. Jesus has never met Zacchaeus. He's never met him, but he knew him. He knew him, right? And Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I knew you. And so Jesus makes a statement here big time. He didn't say, hey, look, there's the no good, dirty, rotten Zacchaeus. There's the traitor. We're against him in every way. Let's continue that. You're doing a great job, crowd. Keep it up. Good work. And so he looks at Zacchaeus and says, I know who you are. I, I, know, I know what you've done. I know what it's cost you, the decisions you've made, that you're not part of the crowd or trying to be my disciple, but I'm coming to you. And I'm coming to you with purpose. As a matter of fact, you're why I'm here. So hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house. Why his house? There's plenty of people that'd be willing to host Jesus and people within the religious um, circles. But that's the heart of Jesus that moves toward the outsider, the insignificant, the, the furthest out, and says, I have to stay here because you're why I've come. Not a, hey, let's get coffee sometime or exchange numbers and, and hopes of maybe keeping in touch. But I want to be in a relationship with you today, right now. And that's what he says to us today. Whether you've accepted God's acceptance for you or have yet to respond to this invitation, it's an invitation that is constant, that is unchanging, and that's through a relationship with Jesus. And so then that ties in the point number three where the heart of Jesus initiates. The heart of Jesus initiates. In Jewish culture, a meal shared together was a sign of friendship. And so that's what Jesus is coming with, an invitation ultimately to, to friendship. Uh, we don't see Jesus invite him to a synagogue or, or blast him with truth or even invite him to church, uh, which wouldn't be a bad thing, 
But what he does here is to, it's to go to Zacchaeus' house. And if you're Zacchaeus, you're like, my house? My house? You want to come to my house? No one comes to my house. Could you imagine how messy his house is? And um, he's not making his bed or you're doing the dishes. But Jesus wants to go to his house. And that's the heart of Jesus towards me, towards you, towards Zacchaeus. And so for the people of Jesus, is, is that our hearts too? Am I doing this? Are we doing this? And maybe you're similar to me. It's like, yeah, of course I am. I hang out with my friends all the time. I talk sports with the same people. I play sports with the same people, games with the same people, laugh with the same people. You know where I'm going? Uh, being intentional with the same people. That's what Jesus would, would look at that and he, he wouldn't condemn it. Those aren't bad things, right? But he may look at me and say, Nick, well, everyone does that. Everyone does that. He might say, well, what are you doing about the, the person who's not your friend that's different than you, different views? Are you, are you initiating with them, inviting them, loving them? Because I love them. Because I love them. Does your heart uh, align with mine? And so we all know people. I, I know that for a fact. We all know people. And so are we initiating with them? Because how did Zacchaeus respond to that invite from Jesus? It says he received it joyfully. And so the many people we know, they, they might be un, uninterested and maybe coming to church or hanging out with you. Um, you may be used to the no's. Keep inviting. But also for those, they may just be waiting for an invite to respond to it joyfully. I'm so glad my friend uh, Caleb initiated conversation with me freshman year of college, a, a weekend where I was out of fire at, at a local church, only there for the free food. And uh, Caleb approached me with, a, with an invite to play tennis. He didn't know what I was seeking for life at the time and empty inside. Um, later on that week, that tennis invite turned to an invite to trivia night where I knew no one but showed up. And that was the night where my friend Brian got up and shared about Jesus in a way I never heard before. It ended up being young life. And so I'd say the worst thing we can do is say no for someone else. I'm so glad that Caleb did not say no for me. It's like when he met me, I was probably the social, most socially awkward person he had met. I'm glad he didn't say to himself, well, I always invite people and I'm just so used to the no's. Why invite Nick? But yet he initiated with me and ended up changing my life. And that's what the crowd does, though, is, is certainly saying no for Zacchaeus and saying there's no hope for him. You, you are too far gone. Because verse 7, they say, When they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be with the guest of a man who is a sinner. Are you kidding me? Jesus, you're going to stay with him, his house? What are you thinking? We see that us versus them mentality again, right? That me versus them. Um, and it's soon to escalate. It always will. That escalation then turns into outrage. It's true right now in the, in the world we live in. And it's also true in this moment with a crowd where they're not okay with what's taking place. Um, their hearts may lead to shunning, but that's not the heart of Jesus. That's not the heart that initiates and, and pursues the furthest out. Let's see what happens next in verse 8 through 9. It says, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. 
And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. So we see Zacchaeus boldly declare that he's going to give back to the riches to the people that he cheated of um, collecting taxes. And so why is that necessary? Was, was that necessary for him to, to do that, to be in friendship with Jesus? Did he sense something in Jesus' words and in his mind that he had to do that to be in a friendship with Jesus? Let's look at Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 8 to, to analyze that question of, of why is he doing this? It says, And you were dead in the trespasses of sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. It doesn't say some people are more worthy than others to uh, enter the presence of God. No, it says we're all dead. Um, that by nature we're all deserving of God's wrath because of sin. And so part of the good news of Jesus is that none of us are worthy. Uh, the gospel isn't clean yourself up, just become a better person, and then maybe Jesus will accept you. But it's that while you, me, and Zacchaeus were still sinners, enemies of God, uh, that Christ died for us. While we were sheep gone astray, he sought us. And so when Jesus looks at us, the sinner, he doesn't see us as people that are disqualified from his grace, but yet the ideal candidates. And so this type of love will, will always precede a, a transformation, right? For any life change to happen, this type of love has to come first. Um, it can't be the other way around. Zacchaeus giving back the, the money didn't come before his friendship with Jesus, right? It grew out of it. So Zacchaeus giving back the money, it wasn't in order to receive forgiveness or to be in relationship with Jesus. It was simply a 180 degree turn from not seeking God in his ways to now seeking God in his ways and wanting to experience that full life. He says, I used to be in it for myself. Um, I used to take from people, but now I'm a giver. And I'll be about people um, who have a need. And that's the power of the gospel. That's the power of the gospel where then Jesus declares that salvation has come today. He says, Behold the new Zacchaeus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. He says, Zacchaeus and I are now in relationship. Sin and his past removed. He's on his way to knowing all about this abundant life. And so therefore, because Jesus pursues, because he um, moves toward the outcast, the insignificant, the furthest out. And because Jesus initiates, it takes us to point number four, where the heart of Jesus seeks and saves. Verse 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is what we celebrated yesterday and we get to every day. Uh, Jesus shares one of the reasons why he came to earth that every person might know how he truly feels about those uh, that bear his image and to know who God really is. We see Jesus refer to himself as the Son of Man, a title he took on countless times through, throughout the Gospels. Um, it connects him with humanity as he came down and lived the perfect life, which we couldn't do, connecting us to, to humanity, but also connecting himself to divine kingship and exaltation 
over humanity. In the book of Daniel, um, the designation for the coming Messiah was said to be the Son of Man. It was predicted that the Son of Man would be the one to inherit God's everlasting kingdom. So the Son of Man not only sought us along with Zacchaeus, but he then took it a step further, right? It says he seeks and, and saves. And so the rescue that started on a sycamore tree branch then became complete on a wooden cross that Jesus would save his people by bearing the weight of sin, dying the death that you, me, and Zacchaeus deserved. With stakes in his wrists and his ankles, he hung up on the cross. And from uh, John 19, we, say, we see him say the words, it is finished. That sin is finished. That old life, man, that's finished. Any guilt and shame, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll bear that too. And then he fully puts it to death by conquering death, raising life three days later. But could you imagine, this is so fresh for Zacchaeus, right? Could you imagine that immediate struggle in him? He's still battling shame. The people around him be like, hey, you're still a crook. I'm, this is a fluke. I'm not believing it. You're still that old Zacchaeus. And maybe you can relate. Maybe you've trusted in Jesus, but the remnants of that old life um, just distort where your new identity lies. That guilt and shame begin to set in. And how often have we been called down from the tree to only get back into it? Or maybe you've come down, or, you, or sorry, you haven't come down yet, and what's keeping you on that branch is just fear and being paralyzed by it. That's, a, a, that's where I was at. Fear of what that new life would look like, um, what others will think. But then Jesus tenderly says, come down, because it'll be worth it, because the life you're seeking, that's only found in me. Or maybe you're more like the crowd who's taken on a legalistic, judgmental view um, where condemning takes place over initiating and we forget what it was like when Jesus first pursued us. Uh, love and grace disappears towards the worst of the worst. And therefore, we're in need of aligning our heart with Jesus. Thankfully, when, when Jesus gets a hold of, of you and me, his love transforms. Um, and that's the business he's into. And that's then what he calls us into um, as a part of experiencing that full life. He calls us off the sidelines. For example, I... I uh, Got to go to many Steeler games growing up as, as a kid. And say I'm back at Heinz Field um, watching a game, and all of a sudden the game stops. Head coach Mike Tomlin stops the game. He starts walking up into the stands. Everyone's watching him, right? And he starts coming up to, to where I'm sitting. He gets kind of close to the section, and then, and then even to the row. And the next thing you know, he's standing next to me and saying, Nick, you're in the next play. You're in the next play. Come down. Get, we, we need you. You're in the next play. It's like, whoa, hold up, Mike. Hold up. I, uh, I can't throw a football. Surely there's someone else that can. You got the wrong guy. And for those that know me, I'd be injured the first play. Um, you, I'm not qualified. Anything of my skill set, um, you, you don't need, you don't want. And that, wouldn't come, that doesn't happen when it comes to, to football and, and that example, but um, that's what happens when it comes to the power of the gospel. When Jesus says, I, I want you, I don't care if you're the most shy and awkward kid in high school or that you persecuted Christians or that you cheated people out um, because what I've done, what I've come to do, um, you're now qualified. You're qualified through me. So the Son of Man does the saving and we're with him. This is how called the plays. And so we can make a difference in the lives of people. Why? Because the Son of God whom we serve saves people and his love changes people. And so we then get to go out into a broken world with all the confidence in that and no longer seeing people as objects of, of his wrath and condemnation for maybe what they believe. 
but yet potential recipients of his grace. And so it's easy to have that mindset of, well, um, I'll just wait it out. I'll stay comfortable. I'm not ready yet. Uh, maybe once I have the time, maybe once I have the, the money, um, when I get to this place or that place, I'll take this, um, this call seriously. But just as today is the day of salvation that Jesus claims, the invitation is for us today. And picture with me those in, in your mind that, um, that are lost, that are running away from God, and maybe if we're honest with our own hearts, have written them off um, for that greater hope. Are we moving towards them? Are we looking up into the trees? Because that's what Jesus did. And seeking, seeking's hard. It's hard. It requires sacrifice, and rejection is bound to happen. But one of the, the most special things about this call is that we don't have to do it alone. Um, that we get to, to go in to the darkest places with other brothers and sisters. Um, and for, the, for someone that was on the outside their whole life and experiencing exclusion, man, what a glimpse of community could do. A glimpse of inclusion. That could change everything. And so God is constantly seeking those astray. And only the power of his love can take sinners like you, me, and Zacchaeus and cause this transformation. In closing, I want to read a piece of writing I, I came across a while back in, in college, um, scrolling through online, that, that just brought conviction to the way that, that I was to seek others and what God was calling me into, and allows me to analyze where my heart is towards the outsider. A man by the name of Bill Goins was on staff with Young Life, and, and he wrote a piece titled, My Commitment, um, as he looked out onto high school students in a student section on a Friday night football game, God was breaking his heart. And although this references kids, it crosses all ages, all walks of life, and represents our commitment to the lost. And so as I read it, I pray that it sparks movement to the lost in my life and in yours. It reads, as long as high school kids mill around at ball games looking for love in all the wrong places, as long as they desperately seek an identity based on the opinions of friends and reputation, as long as kids limp through the stands broken by family strife and slaved by drugs, alcohol, and sex, I want to be found not in the adult section where it's respectable and controlled, but right in the middle, where passions vulgar and profane blurt out obscenity, where raucous and reckless vacades hide wounded hearts filled with torment and fear, where the price tags have been changed and darkness confuses, right in the middle where God has positioned me to shine forth his grace, his hope, his love, and his truth. As long as there is an enemy who can, who can convince his victims that tomorrow doesn't matter, that harm will not find them, that chains are like jewelry and coal is free. As long as his lies leave character, soul, and life in ruins, when thrill goes ill and fun turns fatal. As long as terminal is only a passage word to an eternity of one's own choosing. As long as God has rendered him a defeated foe using the weakest of us to shine a light that pierces the darkest places that brings rescue to the lost. As long as the darkness is blasted away by the light of the world, that light that lives within all who know, follow, and love him. As long as there is such darkness, I'll man my post right in the middle of all that chaos holding my position until he calls another play, and I steal home. As long as we stand in such an important place, we must not forget what it means to be salt and light in this tasteless and dark generation. In Jesus, Bill. Hurry up and come down. I want to be in relationship with you.
is what Jesus says. And if you have yet to respond to that invitation, maybe today would be the first time that you do so. Or just like Bill's commitment to, to these kids, may that be our commitment um, to the lost. Maybe it's simply starting to just ask God, okay, God, break my heart for the lost, for the outsider, someone that I've written off. This is the heart that we should have towards others because this is the heart that Jesus has towards myself and towards you. And so through Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus, the band can come up at this time. We see that his heart pursues. We see that his heart moves towards the outsider, the marginalized, and the furthest out. That his heart initiates and that his heart seeks and saves the lost. Let's pray. God, thank you that, that this is true, that this is your heart, that you know us, that you've come to be with us, and that you died for us, and that you've called us into that full abundant life that we're all seeking. And so may we join you in that call to seek others, to align our hearts with you. God, we need help to do that. And so I pray that you would just reveal more of yourself uh, to us, and that we would experience you in ways that we never were thought possible. We give you all the glory and praise in your name. Amen.